You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy post-Timberwolves season. Today, we're going to hit a few notes from the exit interviews on Monday, and uh, then I want to move into just a, a couple of quick surprises segments. I want to talk about two positive surprises, just general things. This is this is very arbitrary. It's what, what came to mind to me, what I, what I was most surprised about about this season. I'm going to list four things, two positive, two negative, both individuals and and team um, surprises. And then, and then the rest of this week, I want to start getting into the individual player series, um, and, and knock out one or two players a day, depending on how, um, how many games we have to talk about. And, and, uh, you know, some players, there just isn't as much to say about, um, as others, but I do want to go through the entire roster, talk about how the season went for each of those guys. And then we'll start shifting our attention to obviously NBA playoffs as well as the NBA draft upcoming as well. So, um, that will be the show today and the rest of this week. A quick reminder here off the top, you can follow Lockdown Wolves anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B-Beacon. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay, so... The Timberwolves held postseason media availabilities on Monday. There were not everybody spoke. Chris Finch spoke. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, Ricky Rubio, handful of guys. Anthony Edwards. Um, and there were a few notable notes, I guess, to come out of that. Um, one of them being uh, among D'Angelo Russell's comments. We knew that he had talked before about how much healthier he felt or he feels now after having that time off following the knee surgery, and he confirmed this is as good as he's ever felt. And said that he's excited to go into an offseason healthy, meaning that he can stay in shape throughout the offseason and and continue basically a workout regimen, et cetera, and not having to take an extended period of time off. Um, and and I mean that's that matters, right? I mean that's that's really important. His exact quote here's here's what uh, John Krasinski said on Twitter. He said D'Angelo Russell says quote I can say I feel better than ever right now. And then he also said he's looking forward to the summer going into it healthy will allow him to stay in shape the whole offseason. That's great. Um, and and I guess tipping my hand as to what one of my surprises is, D'Angelo Russell was much better in the second half of the season than the first half. And it's not close. And, and clearly there was, a I think, a quadriceps or hamstring injury early in the season. And then following uh, the knee issue that led him to get arthroscopic knee surgery midseason. I mean, you know, look at how much better he was second half of the season than first. And clearly health played a major role in that. So I'll talk a little bit more about his second half here in just a minute. Um, also Towns noted, he's not going to need surgery on his wrist this summer, um, which is great. Obviously he's, he's, I mean, that was back in early January. He returned from that. He took time off in the midst uh, or, or missed games, I should say, due to the positive COVID-19 test just a few weeks after that. So he did have some un unexpected, unintended time off to continue healing that wrist. Um, Kat also 
made some comments about it, and you can find the full quote transcribed. I think Jace Frederick from um, the Pioneer Press had had transcribed, or maybe it was Chris Hyde from the Star Tribune. One of the, one of those guys had it uh, all transcribed out on Twitter. But basically, Towns was asked about playing in Minnesota and and Kevin Garnett's Hall of Fame speech where he talked about Minnesota and rebuilding Minnesota. And uh, Kat said that's what he wants to do. He wants to, he wants to do the Kobe thing, the Tim Duncan thing, and stay with one team his whole career. He says he loves playing in Minnesota. We've heard him say stuff like that before, but obviously to hear him say that in a postseason, um, you know, exit interview type setting, certainly positive. And uh, and you know, players have said things like that before, not entirely meant it, but there's no reason to not take uh, Towns at his word with this. And he. I, I mean, tr- he has reason to believe the Timberwolves are in the process of building something special, um, or at least, if not special, at least very competitive over the next couple of years with Anthony Edwards, um, Towns, and of course, D'Angelo Russell, and, and maybe Malik Beasley as well. So um, interesting notes there. Anthony Edwards talked about his goals next year, trying to be an all-star, how the game got easier for him as the season went on, et cetera. Um, Chris Finch talked about Summer League. He said that the Wolves would have, I forget the way he put it, but basically they'd be well represented at Summer League. They'd have a bunch of guys there from the current roster. And he confirmed that Jade McDaniels would be one of them. Um, I, you know, and I'm just speculating that he didn't say these names, but I would imagine Jared Vanderbilt, um, even though he's going to be what, this will be technically his fourth year as a pro, but I would imagine they'll ask him to go. Uh, certainly Jade McDaniels. Probably not Nas Reed, but maybe Nas Reed. Uh, maybe Jalen Noel entering his third season. That wouldn't be a surprise. Um, I think those are the names we, we'd look at. I, I don't think there's any reason to send Anthony Edwards. But I think you're looking at McDaniels, maybe Noel, maybe Vanderbilt. Um, that that would be my thought. Um, and then obviously, whoever the Wolves end up selecting the draft or signing as an undrafted free agent, hopefully the Wolves do have a draft pick if they don't. Uh, or if they don't finish in the top three, they won't because they also traded their second round pick. So um, Summer League, which is something wasn't really even on my my radar because it hasn't happened in almost two years now. But we'll have that. I mean, that'll be fun. Um, and I don't it's been a while since I've truly looked forward to Summer League. But, but to watch Jade McDaniels in Summer League in, in July or August or whenever that actually happens this year is going to be a ton of fun. Um, so keep that keep that on your summer calendar. Uh, one final note, and this is. Uh, Certainly, certainly speculation, but it's reported speculation. Charlie Walters at the St. Paul Pioneer Press uh, mentioned the possibility of uh, that there's rumblings that Kevin Garnett may try and join the Alex Rodriguez, Mark Laurie ownership group that the team, the Timberwolves confirmed, uh, I guess it was just a couple of days ago, I think it was Sunday, the team confirmed that uh, they were entering into this this sale agreement with the Laurie Rodriguez group. And uh if Garnett gets in as a minority owner, this would be the way, right? I mean, Garnett was never going to have enough money to front a group, just as Alex Rodriguez doesn't have the money to front a group. And, you know, Aaron Aflalo didn't have the money to front a group, or at least to be the primary funder for a group, but kind of be the face in the name. Well, the Timberwolves have a face and name in A-Rod, but obviously Kevin Garnett is far more synonymous with Minnesota than Alex Rodriguez, who tormented the Twins for all his years when he played for the Yankees. Um, and, and Garnett is is all things Minnesota basketball, and, and he mentioned a couple of times, and this is something that that it's easy to to hang a hat on. Is Garnett mentioned twice in his Hall of Fame speech, enshrinement speech on Saturday, that he looks forward to quote rebuilding Minneapolis or rebuilding Minnesota, and yeah, we can read into that. Does he just simply mean um, in the wake of the George Floyd and uh, Dante Wright 
killings over the past 12 months or so and and the in the wake of social injustice and all the things that have happened in Minnesota because of that? Or is he talking about basketball or is it kind of a loaded statement where he's talking about all of it? Um, we don't really know, but there, it wouldn't be a shock to see a-Rod and Lori say, hey, look, we, we could use a, a local face on this ownership group. We could, if we truly intend to keep the team here, and it seems as though they do, we could use some additional local goodwill. Garnett would be the right guy to get involved, obviously, from that perspective. And we know he's interested in getting involved in a team. What's interesting to me is that Glenn Taylor is going to be the majority stakeholder for the next two and a half or so years. We don't know the exact time frame, but that would mean that Garnett and Taylor would be an ownership group together. And that doesn't sound like uh, something that anyone would expect to happen based on Garnett's most recent comments, which are only a couple of months ago about Glenn Taylor and him being the person he knew him to be or, or he knows him to be or something like that. Um, or maybe this is simply an, a, a handshake agreement that down the road Garnett gets involved once Taylor's out. Who knows? But we're still two plus years away from Glenn Taylor being completely out of the picture. And uh, if Garnett gets involved, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not... It could, it could lead to some fireworks, I guess, is the best way to say it. But that's something to keep it on. Okay, I want to get into surprises next. First, though, let's talk about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. And best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Okay, let's talk big surprises from the season. I'm, I'm again, going to pick four things, two positive, two negative, that just came into mind when I started, came into my mind when I started thinking about things that happened this year a little differently than I would have expected. And obviously, we could say the season as a whole didn't turn out as expected. I do want to actually, at some point here, go back and listen to exactly what my predictions were at the beginning of the season related to Timberwolves record, et cetera. Now, a lot of that goes out the window due to injury, of course. And, and I said that at the time, and that's always the caveat, right? Um, but I think the Wolves still experienced more on the injury front than we could have expected. And at any rate, so so there's some things related to overall team performance that that we have to get back into that that certainly are have been surprises. But at any rate, I picked four things for today that I want to discuss. Number one was D'Angelo Russell. Post-injury D'Angelo Russell, especially and especially on the defensive end of the court, early season D'Lo was exactly what D'Lo was last year, which was a high-volume three-point shooter, did not get to the free-throw line. Um, basically, all his shots were threes and mid-range twos. Um, loved the pull-up three in transition, was was a complete sieve defensively, and just, you know, just Olay defense all over the place. 
he had a couple of strong games, helped the Wolves win. You know, he was, he was really good in that Utah game, game two of the season, back uh, the game that Towns hurt his wrist at the end of the game. Um, not that I need to remind anybody. That was that was the, that was the peak of the season, right? The two and no Timberwolves with the win at Utah, which in retrospect, of course, looks even better. The number one seed team with the re- best record in the entire league, the Utah Jazz. Um, and of course, the Wolves beat them uh, twice this season. So, um you know, looking back at 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 Delo's first half, it really wasn't all that impressive. Um, but he came back after a soft tissue inju- injury in his leg after the the knee surgery, and he was much much better over the second half of the season. It wasn't only offensively; it was also on defense. And let's talk about the defense first. He Delo, the best version of Delo on defense, is not a lockdown defender, and it never will be. He's not athletic enough. He just con- hasn't consistently shown the ability to to lock in and move laterally quickly enough to to truly shut down any really really shut down any opposing guards. However, he's got length. He obviously has a high basketball IQ, and and typically guys who are outstanding passers on offense have the same sort of understanding of spacing and um, and overall defensive concepts on defense as they do on offense. It's the same ability to see things before they happen. We've always seen that with D'Lo throughout his career when it comes to jumping passing lanes and getting steals. And and it's not even usually, typically if is gonna jump a passing lane, he's not gonna gamble and miss. We see Anthony Edwards do that sometimes. We we have always seen Corey Brewer do that sometimes in Timberwolves history. Ricky Rubio even will do that sometimes. But D'Lo doesn't usually jump a passing lane and miss. He usually uses his length and his size to be in the right place at the right time and, and get a steal. And that happens at least once a game, it seems like. Um, and that's something he's always been good at. And now this year, instead of just kind of hanging out uh, in, in help defense, and I called him out for this constantly the first part of the season, the second part of the season, D'Lo was actually locked in as an off-ball defender, as a team concept defender, head on a swivel, helping cover, um, you know, helping cover in the corners, help defense, all that stuff when he wasn't guarding the ball. And what teams had been doing was they were trying to get him in ball screen action because he's never been good at fighting through screens. And the Wolves decided to start playing him a lot more with Wiki Rubio, which meant that Rubio was the one getting put in ball screen action. And he typically handles that better than D'Lo. And then Russell was able to play off the ball and and they could kind of hide him on whoever was in the corner. But at the same time, Russell was if you go back and watch the first few weeks of the season, especially after they were at the after the Wolves were in that long January losing streak when Towns was out, Russell's not talking defensively. He's kind of pointing. He's kind of you know he's there, but he's not really there. Look at the end of the season, and Russell's engaged and he's talking and he's he's communicating and, and pointing out coverages, and he's for the most part getting back in transition. Those are things we did not see early this season. And the advanced metrics bear that out as well, by the way. Um, his defensive real plus minus, while still not good, was much improved this year to where it has been in previous years in his career. It was still a minus 1.6. Obviously not where you want to be, but I, I, much improved, right? I mean, much better than it was last year in the year split between Golden State and Minnesota, and that matters. And, and I'm sure health has a has something to do with it. At the, at probably a big, a big part of it is health. But also, I think probably the hope that this team could actually be pretty decent or at least an above 500 team when healthy and fully realized helped all these guys play harder down the stretch of the season. I'm sure the coaching change probably helped rejuvenate guys, too. For whatever reason, D'Angelo Russell was much better defensively down the stretch of the season, offensively as well was much better. Um, And he wasn't it wasn't as much just straight scoring. Right. I mean, D'Lo was a 20 plus point per game score over the final 22 games of the season. He only averaged 18.7 points per game, but he also might kind, he might actually be the third option, 
Remember, he came off the bench for most of these games for seven out of the final. He only started seven of the final 22 games this season and played 28 minutes a game. And early, he was under a minutes restriction. So I should point that out. That's a big reason why the overall scoring number is down because he didn't play more than 30 minutes a game until late April. I mean, there were, what is that? Like nine games where he was, he played uh, 10 games actually where he played 28 or fewer minutes. So that's part of the reason the volume's down, but the efficiency was up a little bit. He was just under 44% shooting over the final 22 games of the season, 37.7% from outside the arc, which is fine and above where his career high had been before this year, 77.6% from the free throw line on four attempts per game. He also had six and a half assists per game, which is, which was good to see. Um, and the efficiency was just, it was a little bit better at the end of the season than it was earlier in the season for D'Lo. Compare the season to past seasons, uh, for him, his it was a career high in three point shooting percentage, and it wasn't close. Thirty eight point seven percent last year. He was thirty six point seven. The year before that, his previous career high was thirty six point nine percent. So he beat his previous career best by one point eight points, uh, one point eight percentage points um, in, in terms of three point shooting. His free throw rate was also up, uh, down slightly from last year, but up where it's been for his career. And the D'Lo that I called out for not being aggressive enough going to the basket early this season, despite we know that D'Lo doesn't do that right, and, and I said this at the time, but it was a complete aversion to contact in any way, shape, or form, and who knows if his knee was bothering him that early in the year or not, but that D'Lo went away, and we saw an aggressive D'Angelo Russell that was willing to take a little bit of contact, make floaters in the paint, even get all the way to the basket at times, and it's he's, that's never going to be his game. Um, he's never going to be an above the rim scorer. He's never going to be a guy who is seeking out contact, but he has to be willing to go into the paint and it opens up so much, so much more of the Timberwolves offense, whether it's town spot up shooting or cutting or Anthony Edwards spot up shooting or cutting or Jade McDaniels spot up shooting or cutting D'Lo has to be at least willing to get into the paint. Um, and he did that this season. So grand scheme of things, very impressive close to the season for D'Angelo Russell when it was all said and done. He ended up with his lowest turnover rate of his career and still an assist rate that was that clocked in at, at I guess, his third best in his career. Um, and, you know, steal rate right in line, the career high, a career high in block rate, which doesn't really matter. Right. But it does kind of it shows more defensive um, effort and energy and and um, and stick to itiveness and uh, awareness, all those things that matter. Steal rate and block rate were in a good place. Career low turnover rate. Uh, the lowest usage rate since he was with the Lakers, uh, lower than in Brooklyn and Golden State and last year in Minnesota, because he was playing a little bit more off the ball with Ricky Rubio handling the ball, also with Anthony Edwards. And the Wolves used him more as a closer, more exclusively as a closer. So all those numbers are trading in the right direction. And if this is the deal we see next year, we're going to see a guy who probably is the third option on the team, but he's going to be the most dangerous create his own shot clutch player down the stretch, whether that's pull up threes in transition or as a spot up shooter or, or handling the ball in transition. I mean, there's a role for deal on this team that fits perfectly between Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. The next question is, does he become more of a two with Anthony Edwards playing more three moving forward? Or is he the primary point guard? Or is there a world where, either he or Malik Beasley is the sixth man on this team. And we saw a lot of D'Lo being the sixth man down the stretch, or, or I, I guess the, over the, he was kind of in and out over the final week or two of the season. But for the final month of the season, we saw a lot of him coming off the bench. What does that look like moving forward? We don't know. Um, but it's intriguing to think about. Um, and, and also, finally, in terms of NBA real plus minus, which in my opinion is the best, if you're going to pick one metric to rank guys by, that one seems to be the most accurate in terms of 
uh, ranking who the best at a certain position are. Um, D'Angelo Russell made it into the top 25 this year. He was 24th. Actually, Ricky Rubio is 25th. And it was all in the strength of his offense. His defense was still minus 1.6. But again, it was much better than last year. And last year, he, his ranking was much lower because he struggled so much on the defensive end of the floor. Um, offensively, he was number 10 in offensive real plus minus behind um, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Lonzo Ball, LaMelo Ball, Kyrie Irving. I should mention his defense was much better than LaMelo. And so he ranked ahead of LaMelo in overall real plus minus because of Ball's defensive struggles. Kyrie Irving, De'Aaron Fox, Kyle Lowry, Jordan Clarkson. And then uh, that that was really it. There were a couple of small sample sizes in there. But so D'Lo was, was 10th in, uh, in real plus minus offensively this season. So all the way around a better year for D'Lo to be sure. Okay, I want to hit last. I'll, I'll do one more quick positive uh, or surprise, I guess, positive surprise, and then two very quick negative ones um, that, that surprised me in a negative way this year. And uh, then that'll be it for the show today. And, and we'll look ahead to the rest of this week. First of all, let's talk about our friends at Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline, get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, here to close the show, let's hit a couple of negative surprises before we hit one final positive. And uh, then we'll wrap this thing up. So negative surprises. Number one, Ricky Rubio's poor season. Um, This was truly shocking. He had the best offensive season of his career last year in Phoenix. And ever since he left Minnesota, had been a regular, um, regularly, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know about saying he was a positive shooter, but all of his, every single one of his best shooting seasons had come outside of Minnesota, comes back to Minnesota and he reverts his shooting basically reverted back to 2015 Ricky Rubio. Um, he scored in single figures points per game on the season for the first time since 2013, 14 for the only time in his career, besides even his first two years in the league, he was over 10 points a game. Um, his shooting percentage was below 40% for the first time since 2016. Three point shooting percentage was his worst since 2017, his final year in Minnesota. And uh, this was after his career best year last year in Phoenix, where he shot 36.1% from three. And since he left Minnesota in those three seasons, he was 34.1% from three, but he was just 30.8% this year. Um, So all those numbers were down. They were negative. He also had his lowest minutes per game in his career this year at 26.1 minutes per game, which is maybe not that big of a surprise given that he was playing with D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards was going to have such, always going to have such a big role with the ball in his hands, but he still started 51 games this year out of the 68 appearances that he made. Um, now, Clearly, and I should also note the advanced metrics, all, all the stuff points to him, this being his worst year since uh, like 2015-ish, 2015-16. Um, but, but still, I think it's important to point out how this year started. It started with him coming off of a, a COVID-19 diagnosis over the summer and with no 
training camp, et cetera, he clearly wasn't in shape to start the season. He admitted as much. And then he was also a close contact to Juancho Hernan Gomez when Juancho tested positive and so did Towns back in January. And then there was also the role that kept changing. So there's plenty of things to point to, in my opinion. And this is this is speculating based on his comments about not being in shape, et cetera. I think that that is the biggest reason why he struggled this year. Um, early in the season, he was really bad defensively. And that's not something we've ever said about Ricky Rubio. He's always been a plus team defender and on ball defender. He's been great in the pick and roll. That was not the case early this season. Now he flipped that script quite a bit towards the end of the year and D'Angelo Russell attempting or or trying harder on defense certainly helped as well. Um, But that was a big issue for Ricky early. And then also the offense was just kind of, it was tentative. It was, it was, uh, there was a lot of hesitation in his game and he wasn't knocking down open threes. As the season went on, he clearly got more comfortable. He still was not um, was not the spot-up shooter that the Wolves need him to be. I mean, he can't shoot 31% from three and play with D'Lo and Anthony Edwards. He's got to be in that 35 36% range um, and, and truly put put some fear in defenses when he's getting open attempts. Um, and too many of his his three-pointers were pull-up jumpers off the dribble versus, versus, uh, versus catch-and-shoot opportunities. Um, but at any rate... This was a disappointing season. There's no two ways about it. He's owed $17 million next year and it will be an expiring deal following the 21-22 season. He is in the category of, I think the Wolves will trade him if they have the opportunity to find a, a wing defender. Um, but on the flip side, Jordan McLaughlin's a restricted free agent this year and the Wolves would need to then find a backup point guard to D'Angelo Russell if they think D'Lo's the starting point guard and not a bench player and not maybe a starting two guard. Um, this is the biggest question for me this offseason. And, and regardless of what happens, I mean, the draft lottery obviously plays into it, but how many do the Wolves try and trade Rubio? Do they try and keep him? Either way, he's a free agent after next year. So what's the long-term plan with D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards? And there's only one ball to go around that whole thing with Rubio. Because if you have those guys controlling the ball, do you really need Ricky Rubio? And does another team want him at $17 million, an expiring deal? My, If I had to sit right now, today, May 18th, and make a prediction. My guess is he's on the roster to start the season, but he's traded by the deadline. Um, now, if the Wolves are good next year, that might get dicey because we know that he's got a great relationship with Towns. He's got a great relationship with Edwards and he and Delo seem to get along quite well. Um, so I don't know if that that's a boat that the Wolves would rock midseason next year, but sitting here right now, that seems to be the most likely scenario because there will be a team that will pay assets for him uh, for the final two months of the season to get a, a you know, a guy who can run an offense. Um, there's teams that, that will want to make that deal. I mean, this year, the Clippers, we know were interested. There were other teams that were interested in Rubio at the deadline. Um, but I'm willing to bet that the Wolves hang on to him until then, but who knows? Um, and, and obviously he'll need to have a much better season next year than he did this year. If he's going to have a truly positive trade value. Okay. One other quick negative was the inconsistency and overall ineffectiveness of other role players. And I guess Rubio fits into that category, but specifically the Juancho Hernan Gomez is the Jake Lehmans of the world who started the year as starters um, and in the rotation, very much in the rotation and ended the year in Lehman's case, out of the rotation entirely in Hernan Gomez's. He was out of the rotation. He was, he had COVID, he was out of the rotation and then um, played a little bit more under Chris Finch, but still not consistent minutes. Jake Lehman started at the beginning of the year, ended up starting 11 games, but only appeared in 45 and was under 30% from three, was just not very good. And, um, you know, it, Jake Lehman is Jake Lehman, but I think it, the expectations were a little bit higher. And, and really, it's it's mainly those guys. Jarrett Culver obviously had a terrible season. We'll talk more about him moving forward, and hopefully he recovers quickly from his uh, his surgery that 
he he's undergoing. I think it was the ankle. Um, but we saw this down the stretch in the season. In, early in the year, the Timberwolves did not have their stars healthy and playing well. Anthony Edwards was not a star. He was not good early this season. D'Angelo Russell struggled. Carl Anthony Towns struggled a little. And then obviously both of those guys got hurt. Malik Beasley was very good early in the season, but then he was out with a suspension and then an injury. So early this season, it was that the Wolves didn't have their best players available and playing at the same time. Late in the season, it was that those guys were ready and available, but they weren't getting the type of production necessary from the from the role players. Largely, Ricky Rubio late in the season um, struggled. Jalen Noel was no longer in the rotation after having kind of a hot January, February. Josh Kogi fell off the face of the earth this year in terms of his ability on offense. He was still very good defensively and showed some flashes of of being pretty good and in, in kind of a almost playing like a power forward on offense, but guarding twos and threes on defense. We did see Jared Vanderbilt and Jade McDaniels show flashes, but the consistency wasn't there for those guys either. And it's understandable for, what, a 21-year-old and a 20-year-old for Vanderbilt and McDaniels, respectively. But it all goes to, to, to show, yeah, those guys are young, but if this team wants to be a playoff team, you need consistency out of your role players. And that's where the Wolves, if they truly think they're a playoff team next year, they're going to have to add a veteran or two that, that are going to be more consistent in those roles. Jake Lehman is a veteran. Watcher Hernan Gomez is a veteran, but they were not consistent this year. And they're going to need to be next year if the Wolves want to be a playoff team. Yeah, Jane McDaniels is going to get more minutes than those guys. Jared Vanderbilt might get more minutes, but can they be relied upon to be consistently effective in their roles moving forward? Um, and that's going to be the difference between you know, a slightly above 500 record and a slightly below 500 record. Honestly, it's going to be that additional, you know, Cat's going to get his numbers and he's going to, he's going to do what he does. D'Angelo Russell for the most part is as well. Anthony Edwards, it, it certainly appears as though he will too. What are the rest of the guys on the roster going to do? Okay. The last thing I want to hit here in terms of a positive surprise was Chris Finch's rotations and, and the Wolves willingness to play big. Remember, Ryan Saunders started the year saying Josh Kogi was going to play some four. He might even play the five, which I think was a joke, but was it? Um, and, you know, we're going to play small. And we had seen Saunders use Robert Covington at the at the four quite a bit. We'd seen him use um, lots of small ball type lineups. And, you know, it was hard to argue with that. I mean, the Houston, Rocket, Houston Rockets had had a lot of success with it very recently. Played P.J. Tucker at the five. There was all this talk about trading for P.J. Tucker early this season. And thank goodness that didn't happen. Um given how bad both Tucker and the Timberwolves seasons were. Um, but then Chris Finch comes in and he decides to play big. He plays Nas Reed at the four. He plays Juancho Hernan Gomez at the three. He plays Jade McDaniels at the three. And the early returns on this are are really interesting because he wasn't necessarily just bullish on doing it. I mean, he didn't do it every night, right? It's not like we saw the Wolves 40 minutes a game play massive lineups with Nas Reed at the four or, you know, both Vanderbilt and McDaniels on the floor at the same time or whatever. But we saw him do it when it was advantageous based on the matchups. And that to me is really exciting and shows, uh, not only does Finch, not as, not only is he willing to do something like that to play big, but he's willing to adapt, uh, based on the situation. And it's not, we're always going to play big or we're always going to play small. It's, we're going to dictate this game based on how we feel like the matchups line up and we're going to do what we think we need to do on a game by game basis. I'm going to push the right buttons based on matchups, based on, on what we think is going to work for all of those reasons, all of all the prep coming into the game. But then also there seems to be this feel where he knows to push the right buttons and pull the right strings down the stretching games. What are these closing lineups going to look like? It's not, it's not, you know, here's our crunch time five. It's who's 
which lineup is playing the best right now together, which lineup is playing the best, which players are playing the best individually, and how is this lineup matching up with what our opponent is trying to do? And Chris Finch did that far better than than we saw Ryan Saunders do it. Um, and that's that's my biggest thing, the jump between Saunders and Finch. We can talk about some of the other stuff. Um, you know, both were great at, at, well, I don't want to get into the full comparison, but um, the, to me, the most obvious difference is Finch's ability to adjust lineups on the fly during games and his willingness to not just roll with, you know, not just put in the starters because it's time to put in the starters because it's crunch time, but to mix and match and find the right combination down the stretch. And for the most part, he pushed those right buttons this season um, once he was in that head coaching chair. So we'll talk a lot more about Chris Finch this offseason, but to me that that's that's really intriguing is the possibilities of Jade McDaniels at the three and and playing McDaniels and Vanderbilt together and playing Nas and Towns together. There's a lot of of uh, intriguing matchups or intriguing pairings there um, that the Wolves could trot out. So that was one of the more enjoyable things for me in the second part of the season um, is seeing Chris Finch do that. Okay. Um, that's all we have for you today. I, I have a lot more planned for this week, as I mentioned off the top. So player reviews, certainly uh, we'll talk playing games, which start uh, actually today, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we'll talk playing games, obviously, as well. All that good stuff. Um, so be sure if you're not already subscribed or you're not already following the show, please do. Apple, Google, Spotify, the all new Odyssey app. Anywhere you get podcasts, you can follow Locked on Wolves. You can also follow on Twitter. That account is at Locked on T Wolves at Locked on T-Wolves, don't forget the T. And my account is at B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. A reminder that today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. A reminder that uh, this show is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. And of course, we're back Monday through Friday daily. We're still doing daily shows, even though the Wolves season's over. So if you want to get your Wolves fixed, this is where you need to be subscribed and following and uh, stay tuned as we'll have shows every day the rest of this week through Friday. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, our local experts weigh in on who should win the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and Head Coach of the Year. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts.